Hello, everybody, and welcome to our 14th episode of All Out Brawl. Um, we are your weekly dose of brawl content, and we are just two people who actually are really loving the format right now, so, yeah. Yeah, I'm Sam. And I'm Chris. And we're the we're the weirdos who actually love the format. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, today... We're talking. We're going to talk about. Well, I guess this this title that you've created is pretty good. Bannable offense. I thought um, it was clever. Yeah. So just like we we have our pulse, we, we or we have our finger on the pulse is what I meant to say um, of the MTG community. And as most people right now, uh, we watched the well, we didn't watch really the Pro Tour, but we watched the drama around the Pro Tour. And so, Chris, tell me what's been going on with Nexus of Fate recently. So, I think you were the one who keyed me into this, because you saw this on Reddit initially. There's this big hubbub on Twitter. I think Saffron Olive was the catalyst for this. And it was a team pro tour, so kind of like win percentages and stuff were a little funky and hard to calculate for specific decks. But from word of mouth, um, it seems like this Turbo Fog deck that's running four Nexus of Fates, four Teferi, sort of that type of bant control shell with lots of fogs won about 70 percent of the matches that it was played in and i don't know if it was this recent but over the last couple of weeks or even the last few days the price of nexus of fate which is that biobox promo we talked about um, many episodes ago has shot up to like i think 40 dollars a pot maybe more is yeah. that right? No, it's definitely it's at least forty bucks, if not higher. Um, mostly because yeah, right now the a playset is like about one sixty, or at least last time I looked. Um, so yeah, it is spiking a lot. Um, so yeah, so the the thing is, we talked about. I don't want I don't want to talk about too much about the actual like buy a box bit because we talked about we've talked about that before. We talked about it with Fire Song and Sunspeaker. We talked about it with Nexus of Fate. Um, I think we came to a consensus that biobox promos are not good especially like this type of effect which they were like fire science on speaker just like everyone else you know it was fine we we do brawl so for us it was important because that's a cool brawl or a cool brawler um that it was only available by buying a box which is kind of stinky but like at this point it's about a five dollar card which isn't terrible but nexus of eight turns out is standard playable so in four like in groups of four which means people need to buy play sets of it so i think the price of it is just going to keep going up for a bit which is not very good for anybody that wants to snag one for their maybe blue brawl deck so yeah it's kind of disheartening well i was going to say the the thing that's really sad about it is that this card is very good especially for a format like brawl where Getting to seven mana is not that hard because games go kind of long. And, like, multiplayer, taking an extra turn, you know, can be a bit annoying. But it's not the worst thing in the world, especially just one or two. Um, Two actually is too much. One extra turn is usually fine. (laughs) But, like, uh, it's just kind of sad because if this has been just a regular card, it would just be a really expensive mythic, which is makes sense because, like, Nicol Bolas is, like, a $40 card, too. So, but anyway... um, so that's we, we're kind of jumping off from this this week. Um, like I said, we're not talking about buy a box promos. We'll probably have to talk about another one in a couple months, and I'm not excited about it. But today, we're going to talk about what makes something bannable, especially in Brawl. Um, mostly because some people have kind of raised this idea recently that maybe Nexus of Fate should get banned because it's hard for people to get... Um, to get play sets and also because it's forced to foil like you, you have to get a foil version of it because it's the only printing and the foils tend to warp and they're very obvious in tournament play so um a couple different reasons there um but so we decided we talked about that um yeah so chris do you want to kick us off so yeah i just want to mention the big oh, reason yeah. we started talking about nexus of fate like sam said is because it kind of brought up this whole discussion of should nexus of fate be banned in standard because of its like unavailability inavailability or whatever you want to say um a lot of people were like making the mention that it's essentially a reserved list Mm -hmm. card and then you said maro actually posted on his tumblr that it is not on the reserve list specifically it can be reprinted 
So, yeah. like, it's a little fishy right now, like, how they're going to be handling Biobox promos that do kind of, like, rocket off like this one. But it's also just, like, seems to be a really good card. And we won't really know more until we see more of its play in the Pro Tour scene. So, um, we kind of want to talk today about what we think makes a card bannable in a format, a multiplayer format like Brawl. And Brawl started with sharing its ban list pool with Standard, like for the first couple weeks, I think. Yeah, I think it was at least a month. Um, yeah, maybe a month. Yeah, but yeah, so essentially, you'll remember back in April, um, Gavin Verhey had a whole article, and it was a big thing that the ban list would be the same as it was for Standard, mostly for the idea that um, uh, each. Like if you if you brought your brawl deck to Friday Night Magic, you could in theory play it, um, and then uh, you know you, you wouldn't have to switch out any cards. It would be really easy. People who are in standard wouldn't have to worry about um, having to build decks using cards that weren't legal in standard. Like from where it started, it made a lot of sense. Um, and so that's just kind of the history is that Brawl started there, um, which is one of the reasons why this like Nexus of Fate conversation is relevant, because if something gets banned in standard, then it's an easy thing to say, like, well, let's look at Brawl. Like, we might want to try to keep the consistency there. Um, but yeah, so uh, that's kind of a history of sharing a ban list with standard. We broke with standard's ban list, like we were saying, about a month in, mostly because... Um, and like we're gonna get to it, but uh, you'll remember that around that time, Baral was one of the most hated cards in the format, um, or most loved, depending on I guess if you liked mirror matches playing Baral. Um, but uh, he, we ended up getting a split ban list, most or a split from the standard ban list to accommodate the fact that there was a lot of problems in, especially Magic the Gathering, or sorry, especially MTGO one v one. So. So I guess that kind of begs the question, talking about Brawl, why are these types of cards generally banned, right? So Brawl was the case that I think he's, his win percentage was so high and the deck was just so common in the 1v1 scene. And I don't think Wizards wanted to have a separate ban list for multiplayer and 1v1 because that's just nonsense. I think they actually recently reverted the online ban list for... Um, Magic Online back for Commander back to like the normal ban list. I'm not sure if that's true. I think I remember hearing about it. I, I think they they did change the ban list. I don't know if they made it the same as the multiplayer ban list. I okay. know that they unbanned things like Soul Ring and Ancient Tomb, mm-hmm. um, which is seems weird. But uh, yeah, I, I mean that is true. Um, I think one of the big things too is in that article. Um, Gavin did talk a lot about how kind of in the same way that their original conceit with the sharing a ban list was standard meant that you wouldn't have to like change out the cards in your deck in order to play with other people that are playing standard decks. Um, they really didn't want to have Brawl split into two formats where you would have to change your deck in order to be able to play multiplayer or 1v1. So they decided, no, we're, we'll split from the ban list with standard, but we're going to have one single ban list. Um, but... That still didn't mean too much because, like you're saying, the one of the impetuses of this is the format got super warped by Baral. So, yeah, um, and they kind of they hold they held over some of the other cards like Baral from Standard to the Brawl ban list, like Smuggler's Copter, which we were kind of talking about as a <clears throat> Soul Ring type card in that it's. Um, playable in any deck it's cheap costed and it's always going to want to be run in any deck really because all you need to make it work is a one power creature and it's really good card um filtering selection and it's just a card that would probably be seeing play in like every deck and it's one of those cards where if one of the players in the game gets it done before everybody else kind of like how you feel with soul ring in a commander game that person the win percentage is going to be skewed towards them because they're going to have that engine whereas the player that doesn't play it won't yeah so yeah so, it seems like yeah. the idea is these cards that aren't gonna like facilitate um fun like drawn out games i guess 
Well, that's so. I guess we we didn't really cover this too much, but so um, we we made a couple notes here as to why are cards generally banned, um, and so kind of playing off that smuggler's copter. So format warping, kind of like we talked about with Baral. Um, every deck will have one slash games when only one person has that card are skewed to favor that person. So that's kind of that soul ring argument um, that we see with smuggler's copter because it's and, and it's it's an interesting idea when you think about it is the idea is they made a card that was too powerful like too versatile and not not in the like nexus of fate sense that like every blue deck would run it but just like every deck would run smuggler's copter because it's just so good um and you'd kind of have to be forced into running it if you wanted to compete with people who are also running it which would just make it not a fun choice to like you don't want to have to run a card because you feel obligated to because everybody else is. You want to build these decks around cards that you think are fun to play. Yeah. Well, that's, and we see that problem literally all the time in Commander with specifically Soul Ring is that every Commander list usually starts with a mana base, a Commander, and a Soul Ring. And Lightning Grease. Well, I mean, I'm not sure if that's true all the time, especially for things like now we're seeing Planeswalker Commanders probably get more of a boost. But, like, you're right, though. There's, like, a suite of cards, but Soul Ring is in that suite for sure. So, like, I don't know. It's just... We'll we'll get to it because we need to we need to hit one other type of card and the last card that is currently on the brawl band list. How about you? Let us know what that is. So that last card is Sorceress Spyglass. Um, it's kind of similar to Copter in that it's a colorless card, so any deck can be running it. And it so the way brawl works is you have a card that everybody knows you have at the beginning of the game, and this card can name that card and essentially turn it off. For the duration of the game if they're not able to remove Sorcerer's Spyglass. So it's really good against like Planeswalker Brawlers. So they just decided to axe it from the format from the beginning just so you don't have this stifling card in Sorcerer's Spyglass. That can just basically, if you have a Planeswalker Brawler, this card does not let um, your opponent use it until they get rid of the Spyglass. So just that very <clears throat> um, oppressive type card that is not going to let people play the game. Well, and on top of that, similarly to Smuggler's Copter, it's also very cheap. It's like a two-drop, yep. which means that you can also do it turn two, and then the Planeswalker Brawler player has to sit there and not do anything for the rest of the game, pretty much. Like It depends, obviously, on the build and all that, but that was kind of their reasoning, at least, that they presented when they announced that this was on the uh, being added to the ban list. Um so I made a note here um, before we get into like what cards deserve to be banned, what cards shouldn't be banned. I, I just made a note that when we moved from the uh, sharing a ban list with standard, um, notably none of the energy cards or Ramanop red cards that were banned in standard were kept on the list. And a lot of like they gave some reasoning for that too, but a lot of it was they're less powerful in a format that has more life um, access to a, commander slash brawler obviously there was wizard stuff but access to a brawler all the time and um and are typically played in a multiplayer setting so with more than two people because a lot of the problems that we saw with like team or energy or ramen up red um was that they were just very fast and very oppressive and aggressive um and it was really a problem in 1v1 standard um in addition to you know having access like four different colors or whatever so being limited by the brawler's color identity also helped and also the fact that like you have multiple people you have a starting life total it's either 25 or 30 um kind of padded that out a little bit and so i think when they looked at it they're like we don't even need why like there's no reason people shouldn't be able to play these cards in this format so and i think one thing you um also well, that also needs to be mentioned is it's a singleton format. So cards like Rogue Refiner and Ramanup um, Ruins that just get better in multiple don't have that issue in Brawl because you're not going to be like following up a Rogue Refiner into another Rogue Refiner, which is just, I think it was pretty much the consensus that that three mana card was way too much value for its power toughness. Mm. It's like effects that it was just way too good. Yeah. Right. No, that's true. It, that's another good point to mention, too, is that since it's a singleton format, you won't see as many issues with cards that you see, like, you know, 
like the deserts where, you know, if I'm playing mono red, I only have access to like five deserts maybe. And like most of them are not red deserts. So it means that I'm going to be very limited if I'm, or limited by my ability to play deserts. Um, if I also want to, you know, run red cards. So, um, but I think that's main, that's one of the main things here is that in comparison to standard, um, a lot of the considerations that we have to take into account are that we have limitations of singleton and color identity. Um, we have more life. So, uh, aggro cards that might get banned in standard for just being too fast or like, you know, in essentially encouraging people to just like, you know, uh, deal 20 damage in like three turns or whatever. Um, we don't have to worry about that as much. And since it's multiplayer, we have the ability to like multiple people can deal with a single person, um, and aggressive decks won't, you know, you can't you can't aggro multiple people out of the game in as fast a time as you can aggro out a single person. So yeah, aggro gets a lot worse when you need to deal ninety damage as opposed to thirty or yeah twenty or whatever. Yeah. So um, with that kind of in mind, so we have those three cards right now. So let's let's just kind of run through it again. So Smuggler's Copter is has the Soul Ring problem. It's cheap colorless every deck would run it and whoever ran it first would probably get some kind of benefit that the other players wouldn't you know if you didn't get it first you would suffer um baral warped the format and especially for 1v1 was just so overpowering that everyone either had to run baral or lose um and then sorceress spyglass um similarly to copter is low costed and colorless which means every deck can run it and it uh sits on you know, a good chunk of the decks that are in the format because they're running cards that are obvious from the start and can't work if Sorcerer Spyglass is on the field, especially if it's something like a mono blue or a, you know, some, some color that can't deal with artifacts. So, um, let's, so with that, let's talk about cards that are questionable. Um, yeah. And this is some of our, the cards we chose to perhaps, um, might be, Like, we're not saying we think these cards should be banned. We're kind of just floating the idea that maybe these are the kind of cards that fill those roles that we just talked about um, that could potentially need to be looked at as possible bans if they are seen to be warping the format in the way those cards might. Yeah. And one of the first ones we have here is Kari Zev. And you were mentioning that um, she was actually, uh, like, very high in the rankings in the post Baral scene. Um, mm-hmm. So where Baral was that commander that reduced um, the cost of instants and sorceries and was kind of just counterspell tribal, not letting your opponent play at all. Kari Zev was that aggro strategy that was trying to get those players down to like 25 and then up. I guess they recently changed life total again, mm-hmm. life as quickly as possible. So, yeah, well that's, and so part of that was, um, like you're saying, they changed the life total again because they originally reduced it for specifically for 1v1. Um, they reduced it from 30 to 20. Um, and then once Brawl, because that was the same time that Brawl got banned, Kari Zev kind of took over because she's fast. Mono Red is very good for aggro. And with access to like, essentially with access to Kari Zev on turn two every time, um, you can make a very fast deck that will just deal 20 damage in a few turns um so in order to kind of um re- retaliate i guess i don't know if that's the best word for it but wizards did increase the life total from 20 to 25 for 1v1 um and when they announced that they made it clear it, it pretty much made it clear that they're not really looking to ban more cards they really would rather shape the format so that it doesn't you know, succumb to these cards. So that like, and it makes sense if you think about it, because we're probably always going to have at least one or two monocolored commanders that are, you know, very specifically what their color does. Baral cares about instants and sorceries, ends up being counterspell tribal. Kari Zev is red and very aggro. And we're probably always going to have cards that are doing those types of things. And we want to make sure the format will just serve like we want to make sure the format can exist and have like a multitude of decks without necessarily needing to ban every single one of those every time so um but that was so that was one that i kind of floated like i don't think it should be banned but i think it could have been discussed so yeah and i think the 
One of the other things to consider is that these monocolored decks have the advantage of only being one color, so they're going to generally be a little bit smoother in how they're played. Um, so they're going to generally perform better, but well, in a multiplayer setting, yeah. you kind of, like we were saying, that's kind of outweighed by the fact that you have three opponents, so your explosive start might off one player, but then you kind of run out of steam, and then you have two other players to contend with. So these monocolored decks, what they gain in their um, ability to play very similar feeling games each time, um, lose in the, I guess, long game potential maybe. Well, I mean, I don't know if that's necessarily true. I think it's true for red decks. The thing that yeah, I would that's say, what I was thinking. Yeah, the thing that I would say is that you were just talking about the advantage of monocolor decks, but if like for, coming from a commander background, monocolor decks are not as popular in commander because they have so many flaws. Like every color has weak points and the idea is when you run multiple colors you can kind of balance them out and you know do some of the stuff i don't know blue is bad at artifact removal so i play some red to blow up some artifacts or whatever um but the idea is so then if a monocolor deck is you know really good at one thing it's going to be really bad at something else so i think that also kind of helps balance it out there but I um i yeah. was more getting at the it's the money monocolor isn't that big of an issue in multiplayer so they probably won't look to banning like cars like cars ever right yep so then um the next ones um the ones that they also kind of brought up when they first announced the split of the ban list were gideon's intervention and binding of ixalan so those are both white enchantments that um are effectively similar to sorcerer spyglass they say well Gideon's Intervention says when it comes to play, you name a card. Um, your opponents can't play cards with a named card and also prevent all damage that be dealt to you by sources with the name. Um, and then Binding of Ixalan is kind of like an O-ring that also says your opponents can't play cards that have been exiled or play cards that have the same name as cards that were exiled with Binding of Ixalan. Um, so obviously the same kind of the, the same kind of concerns rise here because for example, if your Squee gets exiled by Binding of Ixalan, you're kind of you're, you're kind of out of luck. Oh, wow. I, like, so I don't think Ixalan's bindings works oh, exactly sorry. how you think because it says your opponents can't cast spells with the same name as the exiled card. Yeah. So if it goes to the command zone, can they cast it? Um, I mean, technically, wasn't it exiled with that card though? Like, isn't that how O Ring works? Um. Yes, but I we can look this up later and mention yeah, it in a later but, episode. But I'm not 100 percent sure it works that yeah, way. That I'm not sure. The reason that I'm not actually too worried about it, I, yeah. I was just trying to make an argument for it. But one reason I'm not worried about it is that this is probably one of Mono White's main tools for dealing with things. Um, and of course, we have a couple other ones still cast out and um, the uh, um, seal away, but it's. Essentially, Mono White kind of just needs all the help it can get. So mm -hmm. um, I don't think it's a problem. And also because they are not as expansive as Sorcerer Spyglass. They're not colorless. They cost at least... the uh, Ixalan's Binding is a 3-drop and Gideon's Intervention is a 4-drop. So it's not going to be something you drop immediately. And also they don't have that really stifling ability that says that you can't activate abilities of those cards. Your opponents can't cast them, that's true. But at the same time... Like, you know, there might be other ways for them to cheat them into play, or if they already have them in play, then they don't really have to worry about it as much. So I feel like that's why I'm not as... Uh, I, like, I, I can see why we wouldn't be as concerned about Gideon's Intervention and Binding yeah, of Ixalan. Yeah, and I, the thing about Gideon's Intervention is, I don't know if a white deck is going to um, take up a slot for a card that's going to hate on one person. Yeah. Whereas Sorceress is Spyglass, I don't know. It just seems easier to play in a deck than... That and then yeah. Ixalan's Binding is four mana two, and oh, that yeah. um, can't cast spells with the same name as the exile card. Normally, only really matters against the person you cast it against, unless maybe another opponent has that same card. But that doesn't come up too much, so I feel like it sometimes just feels like a four mana O ring, like you were saying. So yeah, yeah, I don't see these cards being too much of a issue. Well, so to clarify my thing about Squee, I'm not talking about Squee as a brawler. I'm talking about Squee as in your deck. And it gets binding of Ixal or Ixalan's oh, bindings. Oh, okay. What what is Mono Red supposed to do? Like, <laughs> I mean, I think that's a valid concern because there there are situations like that where Red can't deal with enchantments 
I at understand all. what you're saying. So, now. in that one case, yes. Yeah, but so I, I think obviously it's a single case. It seems kind of fringe, but at the same time, these are what this is what we're talking about. Because like ban lists, why ban cards? So I don't know. Um, that's pretty much all we had though. Because well, I had cards, one more. Yeah. Just oh sure, well um, I mean, honorable mention. Yeah. Um, so just in our play group, we've noticed uh, Tatiova is pretty darn strong. That <clears throat> landfall draw a card gain life um, just works so well with a lot of cards that green and blue already want to be playing. So I don't think she needs to be banned. I don't. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying it's cards like her where you start to maybe see it. It kind of reminds me of Prophet of Crufix. Mm. And just the value you get out of that card. And just how far ahead you can start seeing that player getting the longer this card is on the battlefield. And That's I don't, fair. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was going to say, my my honorable men- mention is Kefnet. Um, mostly because every blue deck that I have seen runs Kefnet. And I I think there are maybe two colors that can deal with Kefnet. And in that, there are like five cards that can deal with Kefnet. Um which is annoying. Like, and to be true, that's, I think that's true of all the Amonkhet gods. And I think in some respects that that's just kind of a facet of the Amonkhet gods, but they're so cheap and you can't get rid of them. It's just really annoying. I don't know. It's yeah. So just, so it's on this episode and it's clarified. I just looked up the ruling and you can cast commanders that were exiled with. Okay. So cool. Um, But yeah, so where does that leave us? in terms of nexus of fate um first of all let's just clarify so i'm not gonna lie going over this i don't know if banning cards is actually good yeah Um, i agree because i think like obviously i think brawl for the fact that the majority of brawl really that seemed to be taking place or at least you know vocally in the community was on mtgo and it was one we've sorry, 1v1, um, I think that's what made Baral so powerful. And I think in a multiplayer format, Baral is fine. I don't think he's terrible. Um, and I don't think he's, like, overpowered. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I, I think if it were only multiplayer, like, if we're talking about Commander, obviously we're not going to ban Baral because he's just a, like, he's a two-drop <laughs> in your deck that makes your stuff cheaper. Like, yep. I don't know. Um, and I don't see cards getting banned like Baral until we might start seeing something like that profit of crew fix I talked about before where where you start seeing that value increasing the more players there are in the game too yeah because it's cards like that where when you're in a multiplayer format well, you're getting yeah. all those untapped steps to cast your cards like that card I think would be banned in any multiplayer format so unless we see a card that's just totally crazy busted in brawl i don't think banning is the right response to um a card becoming like maybe more prevalent i don't think nexus of fate should be banned and i don't think it's that big of a problem in brawl yeah i was gonna say so yeah i agree one mostly obviously is because it's like going back to some of the reasons that you know some of those other standard cards didn't stay on the ban list um you can only play one nexus of fate and so that immediately makes it less powerful because the likelihood you'll draw into a second Nexus of Fate is low. Um, we don't have a lot of... Um, I guess one of the things that's important is like we don't have a lot... Like when you're, when you're taking a lot of turns in a game like Commander, um, there's a lot of ways to abuse that and win the game. With Brawl, though, I feel like, yeah, you have a lot of combats, I guess, um, but... Past that, I don't know if there's a lot of like big combo-y things you can do that would like just kind of let you win the game. Like there's no lab band strategy, you know what I mean? Um, so I don't know. I think I don't think it's overpowered, especially when we come to multiplayer and it comes to you know like you can only play it in blue decks, um, all of that. Yeah. Um, even like looking at this, I think part of it is that also. I think that since Wizards is involved with Brawl, like since they are kind of the ones making the rules and all that, um, I think they're taking a bit of a more cautious and more like overreaching stance with the ban list. Because like we were talking about, Smuggler's Copter is a soul ring. 
in a sense. Soul Ring still hasn't been banned in Commander. People have been calling for it for a while, and you know it's been a big topic of debate for a long time. But at the end of the day, the Commander Rules Committee has said, meh, like, we'll, we'll think about it, but probably not going to happen. And on the other hand, we have Wizards who said, you know what, like, we see this is already too good. Um, and I think part of it, too, is that they're like, we want new play- we want new people to play Brawl. We don't want people to, like, you know, sit in games and be like, oh, I'm already so far behind because someone else got their Smuggler's Copter out and I didn't even know I was supposed to play that card. Or, you know, someone got their Sorcerer's Spyglass out and, like, now my Jace Ingenious Mind Mage deck doesn't do anything because my Jace doesn't work. Like, I don't know. I think uh, I think there's a little bit more overreach here. I don't think it's necessarily bad. I think it's just a, an interesting difference um, that comes from having Wizards curating the ban list for this one. Yeah, as opposed to the Commander... Who does um, dictate the ban list for Commander? Uh, it's the Commander Rules Committee. Okay. Um, there's like a... Yeah, it's the people who essentially like came up with Commander as a format. Um, and like one... I think one or two of them like actually work at Wizards. And they're like... And like one of them was even involved in the creation of the C18 product. So like they have like a big part in you know, in Wizards, and Wizards works with them and such, but um, they are still the ones responsible for the ban list, so. Um, anyway, that ban. was, yeah, that was our ban conversation. Um, let's move on. Yeah, let's move on to our now weekly topic of the Ravnica Corner. I think this week we're going to talk about the next color pair, um, black-green, which is Golgari, um, right now in standard, we have three possible brawlers. Um, we have one from Amenket, Hapatra, Vizier of Poisons, and this was one of those cards that was spoiled during um, the beginning of Amenket that got me really hyped. And this was actually something I wanted to build a deck out of, but I haven't yet. And then we have Slimefoot the Stowaway, who was maybe the Saperling commander everybody had been wanting. And then we <laughs> also have Vraska Relic Seeker, who is our one Golgari Planeswalker. Yeah. Um, so my note here, um, and like, we're not going to run through them all because unfortunately we just don't have time. And also that's not fun. Um, but my, my big note is they all have token creation. They all create creature tokens. Hepatra, yeah, in- yeah. Oh no, go for it. That's interesting in this color combination. Yeah. Cause we just Could- talked about Selesnia last week, who is maybe, kind of had that token sub theme yeah but it's weird because like it felt like a not as many of the selesnia commanders specifically said create a token because apatra makes snakes slimefoot makes sapperlings and vraska makes pirates like that's just on the card um but uh um past that i don't feel like there's a lot here there's a lot of i guess the concept of like you benefiting and someone else losing something like like you put in the work like you're you're putting in the work to do this thing that's going to then um benefit you but also in benefiting you punish your opponents so like vraska destroys a creature and gives you a treasure Mm -hmm. slimefoot makes sapperlings and then um drains people hepatra makes snakes but also puts minus one minus one counter so it's kind of like that give and take i feel yeah which i think honestly is pretty like, that's a pretty easy way to, like, describe, like, the black-green color combo is that, you know, obviously the green part is you're benefiting and the black part is they're suffering. So, like, it makes a lot of sense. It's I just thought it was interesting that all three of them make creature tokens right now. But let's... So, in order to kind of, like, round this out, kind of like we've done in past weeks, um, I wanted to talk about the black-green legendary creatures and planeswalkers that we've seen from the actual Golgari guild um, in both the original Ravnica and in Return to Ravnica. Um, So I'll go ahead and start here with um, the first one that I have is Savra, Queen of the Golgari. Um, She's a four drop two, two that essentially has an edict effect because, um, or sorry, well, edict, uh, pact. uh, What is that? Demonic, not demonic pact. Oh my gosh. Why can't I think of it? Grave pact. 
Yeah. She has a grave pact effect that it says whenever you essentially whenever you sack a black creature, you may pay two life. If you do, each other player sacks a creature. And whenever you sack a green creature, you may gain two life. So the idea is if you sack a black green creature, essentially everyone else just has to sacrifice a creature. Um so again, we kind of this one doesn't really do as much with when it comes to tokens, although it obviously has you can see where you would want to do tokens here because you can do a lot of like you can make black green tokens than you should and sacrifice them. Um, but I, I noted it's more of a sacrifice thing. So, yeah, and it feels like more of a build around in that she herself does not have a sack out that you have to have other cards that let you sack your creatures and make these creatures that you're sacking them to. But it is kind of that. Um, idea that golgari likes and that you're you're paying for um like a thing that you're 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 paying a price for a thing that impacts your opponents yeah well you get something and they lose yeah, something. yeah exactly um do you want to talk about this next one so this is actually a pretty cool card it's an eight mana gorgon sisters of stone death um and it has three activated abilities it essentially um its first ability makes a creature block it and then its second ability will remove that creature blocked by it from the game and then it can start playing those creatures that it removed from the game with its third ability but it's kind of like we were talking about last week all of those celestia um legendaries cost a lot of mana and this Mm -hmm. one's kind of up there in its cost it costs eight mana four of which are colored yeah and on top of that, it's a 7-5, like, and all of its abilities, the first one costs 1, the second one costs 2, the third one costs 3. So you're going to just spend all of your mana to do this. Um, but it is kind of that same, like, even looking at this one, there is kind of that idea of you're forcing something to block, and then you're getting rid of it, and then you can steal it. So, I mean, I guess it's a little different, but... It's a cool. Yeah, these ones aren't really filling that same hole that the ones that are currently in snare. Like they're not, they're not as definitely in that idea we just talked about as. Yeah. But they all kind of feel Golgari. Yeah. So the next one here is familiar. It's Gerard Golgari <laughs> Lichlord, um, four drop two two elf zombie. Um, so this is where we kind of see the main things I think we're going to talk about, which is he gets plus one plus one for each creature card in your graveyard. Um, you can pay three and sack another creature. Each opponent loses life equal to the sacrificed creature's power. And you can sacrifice a swamp and a forest to return him from your graveyard to your hand. Yeah. So that, (laughs) that first ability is the most Golgari thing on any of these cards. Well, maybe the next one is also pretty Golgari, but just benefiting from, um, creatures being in your graveyard. It's just quintessential, I think. Yeah, I think my I would say it, it's a close it's a close toss up between the first the first thing and the second thing as to which one is more Golgari because I feel like paying three and sacking a creature to make everyone else lose life is also very Golgari. Yep. <laughs> like, um, but uh, how about the next one? So the next one is Avarals the Scar Striped. Um, it just gives your creatures in your graveyard scavenge for their scavenge or for their mana cost. So scavenging its ability. You exile that creature from your graveyard and you put a plus one plus one counter um, equal to its power onto a creature. Yeah. And on top, it's just a three drop two two. And you can also sack another creature to regenerate it. So, you know, again, we see sacrifice outlet. We see your creature cards in your graveyards matter. Um, (laughs) Like these are the return to Ravnica ones. If we didn't mention the first two were regular, like original Ravnica. These are return to Ravnica. You can see that they took the Golgari in a very specific direction, Um, uh, which is, I think. So what I'm hoping for just before we get to the last one, I want to mention that Savra and Jared were both elves. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot of good black elves in, I think, the non-rotating standard right now. Maybe not as many as pre-rotating standard, but um, I think it would be Are cool there? to have an elf uh, that was black-green, maybe? Okay. Yeah, no, I, I, I know what you're saying, and I don't know, like, in maybe terms there's... of, like, the lore, I'm not sure what we'd see, but, like, I guess Poison Tip Archer is the only the... one I can think of. I thought there were some in Kaladesh, but those are... They're green, aren't they? I think Maybe. everything the the only time I can think of that they've done black elves besides, you know, Havsies and Golgari, um, is Lorwyn. 
So we might have seen... I, I wouldn't put it past them to do some in a core set if they want to like reference Lorwyn, but I think oh, for yeah. the most part... I think my have... magic timeline is a little out of fun because I might be thinking <laughs> of like Zendikar Return. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, but no, it's okay. Um, let's just talk about this last one, then we can talk about what we hope to see besides elves, um, which <laughs> so... is yeah our first our first planeswalker that we've talked about um for this ravnica corner it's vraska but the first vraska (laughs) um but yeah so she's a five (laughs) drop with five loyalty um she essentially has an ability that whenever creatures deal damage to her uh they die because she gets death touch kind of um and then she can destroy things kind of like the relic seeker um and then she makes creature tokens that also coincidentally make your make your opponents lose the game but like still she's making creature tokens so um this is actually really similar to the one to the relic seeker that we have in standard right now um and i guess the more important question is while the other guilds we didn't really have a planeswalker since we have this one already and vraska is already in standard um how likely do you think it is we're gonna see her again um especially since vraska was an ixalan which isn't rotating right yeah it's staying i doubt we'll see a multicolored frasca mm. do you think That's we might true. see like a black one but then that wouldn't yeah i don't know well because we did get a black one for the planeswalker deck yeah Vraska. so that makes a lot of sense um i did make a note that lore wise she will probably return if, if we're getting the big showdown with nikki b um at the end of this three block set kind of that they're doing on ravnica um then we might see a card for her um but i have no idea what it would look like and i have no idea what they would do with it because kind of like i was just saying this vraska the unseen is very similar to vraska relic seeker um in that she blows up stuff and makes creature tokens and also has the like a clause about your opponents effectively losing the game um relic seeker obviously puts someone's life total at one but um I think it's interesting. I don't know how much more, like, if we just see another variation on that, I don't know. So, um, your yeah. next, one of the next things um, we had written was kind of like, what's the overarching theme? And I think there is one, and it's not, it's not as, f- like, out, it's not as forward as maybe, like, Selesnia or Boros, but the idea is you're at the cost of, like, creatures, or... So you're sacrificing something to hurt your opponent. So, like, you don't just get to, um... Uh, like, not lose anything in return for these good effects you're doing on your opponents. You're, like, sacrificing creatures to deal damage. You're sacrificing creatures to make your opponents sacrifice creatures. Or you're sacrificing creatures to get them into your graveyard to then exile them and make your creatures bigger. So it all has to deal with your creatures dying in some way to... Well, not all of them, but most of them have that idea that your creatures need to die to impact your opponents. Yeah, I was going to say, I I wouldn't be surprised if we had something that actually, like, sacrifices creatures. Um, Mostly because... Like we like we saw, Savra cares about sacrificing, but doesn't do it herself. Um, Gerard and Varols both actually sacrifice, like have abilities that let you sacrifice creatures. Um, and right now in standard, we don't really have anything like that. I think part of it is that like Poison Tip Archer and Slimefoot play really well into that, which is kind of scary, but does also kind of forecast this idea that maybe we'll have something that you know, kind of value engines for them. <laughs> Which is gross, but like you know, that's what Black Green does. You you make stuff, you you lose stuff, you hurt people. You know, you hurt, hurt people, people. Hurt people so good. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, like I, I the other thing I would say that I think is likely um, would also be something that just is interactive with the graveyard um because right now we don't really have that in standard we have um you know we have token creators we have things that care when things die but we don't really have anything that says you know like gerard's first line there he gets plus one plus one for each creature card in your graveyard or varol's first ability all of your creature cards in your graveyard have scavenged well, like I, yeah we have maldrotha which says you can cast cards from your graveyard but that it's not gogari it's yeah that's a good point um, so we do have that. It's just not. It's in the. It's also in the blue color. Like yes. I. Which I guess that is an important point to bring up. Um, there are also a couple other cards, like legendary brawlers, that do have Golgari inside of their um, 
color identity, which are Deragaz and uh, Vivictus Asmati. But like, I feel like those both have a real tinge of red to them in that one of them is a big smashy dragon and the other one's also a big smashy dragon, but also chaos warps. And so, Maldro- yeah. what, what about Maldrotha screams blue to you? Uh, the value of okay. it. Okay. Like being fact, able to cast yeah. cards again. And yeah. then the green and black kind of makes it so they're from your graveyard. Yeah, I think part of it, I think, is that the green and black, if, if it were, if Muldrotha were just a Golgari card, it would probably let you cast creatures and maybe play lands. I don't think that green and black will normally let you just play artifacts or enchantments um, from your graveyard for free. Like, you know, like I think, I think blue adds kind of the more expansiveness of it. Um, whereas Golgari, in the, at least from what, like what we're seeing here, cares a lot about creatures and sometimes maybe a little bit about lands, but not as much as creatures. Creatures are usually the big one for them. So, um, let's see. Um, I think that's just about everything for the Ravnica corner. Yeah. And I think just one last thing you mentioned lands and that's really where the green comes in. Yeah. Um, and it's not, it's not Ravnica related, but you have cards like get and that sort of thing that do care about lands and yeah. in your graveyard where the black comes in. So there's just a lot of room for cool creature land graveyard stuff that I'm hoping we get to see more of from Ravnica. Well, and since you brought that up, with Commander... We, we talked about this last week. Um, but with Commander 18 having a Jund Lands Matter deck, do you think... I, yes. Because the Golgari would, would be... Yeah, Golgari would be the only place I would see them actually expanding on land, Lands Matter ideas with with Ravnica, specifically. Gruul, maybe. Gruul, like, maybe, but definitely not Rakdos. So, I don't know. That's a good point, actually. I think that actually is something to keep an eye out for. Like, it, maybe we get a new character yeah. that cares about that sort of thing. That I That's probably, like, our biggest stretch of a idea but it would be something i think would be really cool well i mean maybe it's not even that much of a stretch though because we we usually we skimmed over it but gerard's last ability does require sacrificing a swamp and a forest yep which plays really well into a lands matter deck especially that has green and black because they really care about lands going to the graveyard so i have no idea i mean i guess there is one other one that i didn't put on here that is technically a golgari legend Mazarek. um which is from the Commander 2015 product, was one of the secondary commanders for Marin. Got a little overshadowed, obviously. But Mazarek is from the Plane of Ravnica and does care about things getting sacrificed. So kind of just plays more into that idea of maybe a sacrifice kind of build, something that says, screams, sacrifice creatures for me, or does it itself. So, okay. Yeah, um, I think that does it. So I think first, as we get into that podcast business... <laughs> uh, we wanted to shout out some people who got in touch with us over the last week. And yeah. so somebody, I think it was Alec, emailed us to give us some, um, I guess, advice about uh, yeah, um, what we've know, been doing. Constructive feedback. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, probably no. a better term. But we really appreciate, like, it's really cool that people um, listen and care enough to let us know what they think we could do better to maybe make our podcast better for people listening. Like, like if you have the most constructive things to say, we really appreciate it. Cause we, we at least hope that means you care. Yeah. And one, one other big thing, um, a big thank you to Alec, because also it wasn't just like, you guys suck. You guys are doing it wrong. Alec took a lot of time to like carefully craft it out to give us some really constructive things. Um, and also, shared some of his own decks, which look pretty cool, because he has, like, a pretty cool-looking Halar the Fire Fletcher build, um, which we might have to talk about in the future, because I really like that card anyway. So and that was one deck you were thinking about building. Yeah. Um, but then, um, also, we uh, had a listener, Matthew, reached out to us on Facebook. We do have a Facebook page. I don't do a very good job of maintaining it, but we do have one anyway, and you can reach out to us there. I will respond. Um, but uh, Matthew asked us about um, the Scarab God deck that we talk about so much. Um, funny story, we don't actually have a Scarab God deck in our playgroup. Um, we actually... It's more... 
we just kind of use it as a punching bag for when we talk about like value and like control builds. Um, but um, I was telling Matthew, we'll have to look into actually looking at what that deck could look like and, you know, how we might build it if we wanted to build that. So we'll probably talk about that in a future episode as well. And probably soon because rotation's going to happen. So yeah. yeah. So also thank you to Awkward Bun for our cover art. Um, she is an artist that streams on Twitch, and you can find her at Twitch.tv/AwkwardBun. And she does really cool art, so you'll have to check her out. Yeah, and thanks to Aunt Neely for our intro and outro music, um, which we found on the Free Music Archive. But uh, we always we we really appreciate it because it's oh, and the track is "Might as Well Whistle" is the name. So you can also, if you have the time, we'd really appreciate um, whatever podcast service you listen to us on. It'd be awesome if we could um, squeak some reviews out of people. Like, (laughs) yeah, it'd be nice. It helps other people find us, yeah. yada, 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 the deal. If you're listening to this, you've probably listened to other podcasts and gotten that spiel. And, like, we really care. We really do appreciate reviews. Yes. But also, like, you know the deal. Um, yeah, but they can also be emailed to us. That's fine, too. <laughs> yeah, that's so that's the other thing is um, you can reach out to us just like Alec and Matthew did um, over uh, our socials. So using Twitter, we're at AllOutBrawlMTG. And email alloutbrawlmtg at gmail.com. Um, we'll get back to you. Thank, well, yeah, obviously, we thank you for <laughs> letting us know, giving us feedback. Um, whatever you want to say to us, send to us, share with us. We want to hear all of it. Um, and also, like I said, Facebook. You just search All Out Brawl or facebook.com slash alloutbrawlmtg. Um, I think that's just about everything. If you like what you've heard here and you like video games, Chris streams on Twitch. You can go to twitch.tv slash R-E-T-T-O-T-O and watch him play Nintendo games because that's mostly what he does. He does magic a little bit sometimes. I'm not promising that anymore. Um, (laughs) But uh, I think that's everything. So until next week, I've been Sam. And I've been Chris. And this has been All Out Brawl. Not my favorite.